Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You ain't getting me on Titus O'Neil either, baby. Or the uh, primetime players, I believe they were referred to as. Titus O'Neil, a Florida legend. He played against Peyton Manning in college in the late 90s. It's Donnie Football with you here on Sports Radio 93.7. The fan, the great Charlie Borges behind the glass with me tonight. I have you until 8.30. Then we pass you off to Kale Berger, Bill Hillgrove, and Curtis Aiken. A big one for the Pitt Panthers tonight. If you're a Hoops fan, it is the backyard brawl. The Panthers in Morgantown. They made the roughly 90-minute trip down there. And that game gets underway right around 9 o'clock. Excited to watch that one. Once I get home, we have John Ledger, uh, NFL analyst. He's a local guy, a Pittsburgh guy, actually a Waynesburg University grad as well. He's going to join me in about 20 minutes. But right now I want to take us through what Mitch Trubisky said yesterday to the media ahead of tomorrow night's game against the Patriots and what will be his first start of the season. Mitch, would you describe uh, your mindset as aggressive when you play, and is there a difference between maybe when you have to, when you're coming off the bench as opposed to maybe starting? Uh, I'm trying to be aggressive, push the ball down the field, help this offense be explosive. Uh, I know i got to take care of the football. Uh, I'm just looking to be more efficient this week um, and execute well all together. But um, I like to be aggressive, push the ball down the field, and we got to find ways to score points. So I'm trying to be that um, catalyst. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to have a good mindset when I go in to do my job and help the team uh, score. Uh, I can't really tell if there's a difference. Um, uh, I know I'm a lot more calm when I know I'm starting, so I don't have to worry about when I'm going in. I know I'm starting the game and uh, can control it from there. So it's, I'm looking forward to it. I think there is something to be said about that, either coming off the bench or starting. Whenever you know you're going to start a game, uh, you know, you might still be nervous. You might still get those butterflies, but it's not like you get it abruptly thrown on you that you're going to have to play in games. And last year, uh, I thought looking at what Trubisky did, because this year all we really got from him was uh, the second half of games against Jacksonville and against Arizona, uh, in which he wasn't good against Jacksonville. He threw the two picks uh, against Arizona. Didn't really matter. I wouldn't say he was terrible. I wouldn't say he was good either. Uh, he was 11 of 17 for 117 and a touchdown. But last year, you look at what he did uh, in that game. He started 
late in the season against Carolina. So I'm taking this away uh, from what he started this season with. I'm looking this looking at this as Mitch Trubisky coming off the bench late in the season to start a game. Uh, obviously, what he did against Tampa Bay when he got thrown in right in the middle of that game, that was something special, to be honest. He was 9 of 12, 144. He had the touchdown pass to Chase Claypool. That was some electric stuff in the second half from Mitch Trubisky. He also had the games against Baltimore and against Carolina. Baltimore, he played all but that first drive, and then Carolina, he started. Baltimore, you look at the numbers besides the interceptions, he threw the three picks. He completed 73% of his throws, and he had 276 yards. So you take away the turnovers, which are obviously costly, and we all know Mike Tomlin hates turning the ball over. That is what he has lauded Kenny Pickett about since he took over. That's a pretty good game. The game against Carolina, a really good game manager game. Not saying it was, oh, this guy looks like Patrick Mahomes. I'm saying as a game manager, he was able to move the ball. Uh, The Steelers kept their offense out on the field. He completed almost 78% of his throws in that game against Carolina. So when we hear people say it's not a huge drop-off from Pickett to Trubisky, if anything. I think besides the turnovers, we are actually looking at something that has a higher ceiling, a higher potential. I mean, this guy was once picked second overall, and obviously that has turned out to be a mistake. He is viewed as a bust from that aspect. But the Steelers do have that odd luxury of, well, the starting quarterback hasn't really shined, so... Is there that much of a drop-off with the backup? Do you feel you're maybe more aggressive now than when you first started at the beginning of last season? We're trying to score points. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to take care of the football. Um, and, and we got to play better as an offense. We, we're going against a good defense this week, well-coached. Um, so we just got to do our job, execute well, I'll play all 11 together. And we want to be an aggressive offense. So whatever that means, taking care of the football, we got to find ways to score points. That's the bottom line. Yeah, just comfortability, uh, being on the same page with uh, Coach Sully um, in the whole offense, just voicing what I like in this offense and what I'm comfortable with, um, knowing the game plan ahead of time. And um, when you when you um, when you're not starting and you don't know when you're going in, um, there's kind of that anticipation aspect that is gone when you know you're starting the game. So um, just focus, locked in for Thursday, and I'm excited about the opportunity. First. Uh... Anytime you get on the field, uh, it's a great opportunity. So I'm looking forward to this for sure. Mitch, is it at all a fine line between protecting the ball and being aggressive? There always is a fine line. I think you can ask any quarterback that. Um, you want to be aggressive, but if you're um, if you're not too safe with the football, you're you're not going to move it. So you got to know what you can do, and you always got to take care of the football at the end of the day. But um, sometimes you just got to believe in yourself that you can make the throws to to move the ball down the field and score points. So yeah, there, there's a fine line always. And that that answer there, I know some people dissected that and thought, is that a shot at Kenny Pickett? Is that a shot at the Steelers' philosophy? 
I think it's more so a shot at the philosophy as a whole than Kenny Pickett because I, I do think that Trubisky and Pickett have a very good relationship between uh, starting quarterback and backup. Uh, but again, he makes the point of you have to take shots to make things happen. There, There is truth there. Uh, very few times have we seen guys just never – ever take shots down the field, never really put the ball at risk and see that big payoff. And I think that's why we see such a stagnant Steelers offense almost game after game after game. I mean, we got excited about the Steelers scoring 16 points. They scored one offensive touchdown and people were taking victory laps. I think every quarterback is still trying to figure that out. I mean, when you make a great throw, you're like, oh, that's that's great. But then when you make a mistake, like like every quarterback does, um, hindsight's 20-20. So you're trying to learn, just continue to get better each and every single day. And uh, it's a great opportunity this Thursday. So just going to go out and play my game. Absolutely. Playing uh, penalty-free football um, and and just 11 guys executing as one. So everybody being on the same page um, and and keep going forward. We can't shoot ourselves in the foot and go backwards and just be smart um, and control that ball and find a way to punch in the end zone. So uh, I believe in these guys, and and hopefully we can score some more points this week. You played against the Patriots twice. You played against the Patriots twice. What does this defense from New England remind you of the two previous times? Where is it different? Where is it similar? Uh, they're always very sound. Um, I think they're, they're guys up front. Uh, don't get a lot of credit, but they're very good players. Uh, they're very stout against the run. They keep it in front. Always well coached. They do a good job of mixing it up, um, trying to confuse the quarterback with different looks. Um, so it's a really good defense. They're not giving up a ton of points, so we got a lot of respect for them, and it's going to be a good challenge for us on Thursday. What you saw from uh, the safeties from Arizona last week after the way you guys used the middle of the field effectively against Cincinnati, you expect to see a lot of that from New England as well, the way they use their guys back there? I think we expect them to mix it up. So I think they're going to throw different stuff at us to try to confuse us. Um, but we'll see what they're giving us and, and make adjustments throughout the game. He's been great. I mean, he's really stepped up as a vocal leader for this offense. I think guys uh, look to him for leadership, and he's provided that um, vocal leadership aspect that we've needed. And he's kind of brought guys together and, and provided that spark just to uh, bring guys together and move us in the right direction. So I love what I've heard from Eddie so far, um, and he's doing a great job as a leader. Maybe some of your teammates uh, you know, suggested that you know, they didn't maybe take Arizona as you know, the way they should have. They let the record dictate their approach. Has that changed? Because on the other side. Um, I mean, I've been around, so I, I just know you just can't take anybody lightly in this league. Uh, I'm not sure who said that or referenced that, but um, if you ask me, I've been around too long to know that anybody can win on any given day. So we play on Thursday this week, and the best team's going to win. So we just got to come out prepared and ready to go. In what ways have you grown as a quarterback to get to this point? I'm still growing. I'm still learning and trying to get better every day. Um, I've got some experience under my belt, but I've made some good plays. And, and for me, it's it's going to be consistency, consistency, and uh, um, just just doing what I can and, and myself, and trusting this offense, and going out there and making plays. What is your relationship like with Mike Sullivan? How do you feel like he's helped you in uh, your development as a quarterback? It's been great. Coach Sullivan and I really get along. I feel like we're on the same page. 
um, and we spent a lot of time together. So hopefully that comfort level um, transitions to the game on Thursday. And I'm just going to be open with him about what I like. I feel like he's got a good feel for what I like, and uh, we just got to do what's best for this offense and get this play, get the playmakers our ball, the ball, um, rely on our run game and our offensive line up front, and, and find a way to execute and score points. Have you and Mason Cole been putting in extra work with the snaps in exchange? Absolutely, absolutely. Practice, yep. Practice or periods, just all that. Before, before and after, in between walkthroughs, just getting those extra snaps, making sure we're on the same page with cadence and all that stuff. Mitch, how has your relationship with the receivers? How has that grown? Do you feel like you've gotten enough work just in your role uh, with them? Absolutely. I mean, I feel like I would, I would like more reps throughout the week, just because I haven't uh, been able to throw with them as much as I like uh, in weeks leading up to this. But uh, I think they trust me. Uh, we've got a good relationship. I'm always coaching them on and off the field about what I think they can do better um, and what I see from my perspective when I wasn't in, but now that I am, it's just constant communication, trying to get on the same page on a short week. Um, and we just got to have that trust and, and comfort level to go out there and play with confidence. So it's always a little different uh, when you got a short week, but we're looking forward to the challenge. Are they pretty receptive? What do you have to they say? are. They are. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, I, I wish him well for his surgery, and uh, he said he's doing better. He said, "Go get the win this week." I said, "Let's get it." Faulkner said you show up with your hard hat on every day. I'm sorry. Faulkner said you show up with your hard hat on every day. Is that something that you try to project? Is that just kind of a natural way of going about things for you, or is that maybe leadership? Uh, I feel like that's one of my better attributes, just showing up and, and going to work every day. I truly believe. Um, uh, work ethic takes you a long way in this world and just being the best uh, teammate and player you can be. And I just try to show up every day and do the best I can, help this team, and, and work as hard as I can. That's something else there, too, and I, I think that it is relevant considering uh, we heard the comment a few weeks ago from Najee Harris about there are a lot of me-first guys on this team, uh, and he may be one of them for all we know. Uh, he had... A couple of odd remarks about Mitch Trubisky uh, coming into this game, really kind of just brushing off the questions about Trubisky starting this game, saying he's fine, I guess. He's a local, uh, a vocal leader, I guess. So that was odd from Harris. But Trubisky, it, it's never really been denied that he is a good teammate. He had that thing with Deontay Johnson last year whatever you want to categorize that as but Trubisky on all accounts has always been raved about as a teammate Uh, and again it seems like he and Kenny Pickett have a very good relationship and I would imagine the same is with Mason Rudolph as well. I'm taking one game at a time, so right now I'm just focused on Thursday, and then after that we'll focus on the next thing. So um, for me, it is one game at a time right now. Anything else? Mitch, back to your teammates trusting you. A lot of the offensive players we've talked with have really just highlighted your communication skills and leadership. How do you describe the way you look to lead these guys on offense? Yeah, I would just say um, just very communicative, getting with the guys one-on-one, kind of telling them what I see on the sidelines. And I think it um, – when when I tell them something on the sideline, and then it comes to t- comes to life in the game or during practice, 
they're like, wow, what, what Mitch told me on the sideline really translated and helped me here. And I think that's where you b- build trust and equity with your teammates, um, just bringing up suggestions, uh, telling them good job when they do something right and they get the ball and then, not, and then helping them when there's a mistake. And I think that's how you just build trust and equity, um, that when you give them a tip and it works out, um, they really trust you. And, and, and those guys want the ball. And, I mean, we've got a block and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's worked out so far. And I think that communication helps. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's only so much we can uh, put in on a short week, um, but we're trying to make those adjustments on the fly, uh, just but what with with what I've been able to see on the sidelines and what I think can help. So we're trying to add some of that stuff, but not getting too crazy on a short week. Um, but we got to execute eleven guys as one. I know when we play together, we can we can be a good offense. There you have it, Mitch Trubisky, in his media session yesterday, leading up to. The Steelers and Patriots match up tomorrow night. Uh, for the record, if Trubisky, let's say he gets these three or four starts, if the Steelers go three and one, or even four and zero, oh, Trubisky plays well. He doesn't turn the football over. I think you continue to ride that hot hand. If they go three and one, they're going to be a playoff team or right on the doorstep of that. I I think you stick with the hot hand rather than. Oh, here's a game with the playoffs on the line. Kenny Pickett hasn't played in a month. Let's throw him back in against Baltimore. I think in that case, you ride Mitch Trubisky. But of course, we have multiple games to get past before we get to that point. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Coming up next... John Ledyard, he's a film junkie. He studies the NFL inside and out, left and right. Also, a local guy. He looks at a lot of what the Steelers do. He breaks down the All-22 film. We will talk with him. In a few moments, it's Donnie Football with you here on Sports Radio 93. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Seven, the fan. Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Donnie, football with you for another hour until we hit Pit Hoops pregame coverage. The Panthers in Morgantown tonight. The backyard brawl between the Panthers and Mountaineers. Follow us on Twitter. Brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Peters Township. Visit them online at SouthHillsJeep.com. We go out to the fan hotline. Right now, that's presented by Nemico, and we go out to a Pittsburgh guy, the host of the Yinsno Ball podcast and the Audibles and Analytics podcast, also a Waynesburg University guy, John Ledger, here on 93.7 The Fan. John, how bad was the Steelers' loss on Sunday to the Cardinals? Oh, well, it's pretty bad, Donnie. I'd say that that was probably one of the worst losses of the season by team. Not only are the Cardinals just obviously kind of not playing for months and the record speaks for itself, but it wasn't one of those situations where Arizona's actually been playing a lot better than the record either. They're near the bottom of the NFL in most statistical categories and point differential as well. So this was truly a, a team that hasn't been very good. And some people are like, oh, they have Kyler Murray back. The numbers, the analytics is all actually a little bit uglier since Kyler Murray had returned up until that game. So maybe he's figuring it out a little bit to a degree, but it wasn't like they got lit up in any one capacity. Steelers really did it to themselves, um, which was probably the most concerning part of it is that they, that just immaturity as a team roster wise from preparation standpoint, focus on game day just really hasn't come any sort of way since the beginning of the season. So pretty concerning stuff when you consider what this team's planned for right now. Will the Steelers win tomorrow night? Yes. <laughs> the Patriots are as down bad as this franchise can possibly be right now, Donnie. And I try not to get optimistic about many Steeler outcomes, but you saw the injury report today. New England, uh, without a couple of their top wide receivers, a couple others are questionable. Top running backs, obviously, out for this game as well. Uh, the offensive line's banged up, even if they have everybody playing. Obviously, they're on to QB number two, who I think has been released like twice in the last couple months by them. So, it, it's uh, it's about as bleak as it gets. If Pittsburgh loses that game, we're going to be talking about serious changes. I mean, that that's how if that's how important this game is to them, and how honestly New England, although they won't play to lose at this point, when players look at the injury report and see everybody that's out, they kind of know the writing on the wall. So it will be competitive because that's how the Steelers roll, but it should not be. Yeah, going into the Cardinals game, I could at least see reasons why the Steelers would lose uh you know like murray obviously still a, a high ceiling player even though he doesn't always show it uh james mm-hmm. connor whenever he's on uh he can be a, a really good ball carrier the patriots have nothing uh at, at least on the offensive side absolutely nothing and i feel like bill belichick or not this would be an even worse loss for them mm-hmm. tomorrow night than what sunday was Oh, I agree completely. I mean, they just got shut out by the Chargers, who are one of the worst defenses in the league this season, especially when it comes to pass defense. So it's it's as bleak as it's been in New England. I mean, they have literally allowed 10 
or less points in the last three weeks, and they've lost all three of those games. That's almost statistically impossible to do when you look at NFL history. I don't believe it's happened since it's been ages since something like that's happened. So that's what the Steelers are kind of up against now. Will the Steelers still struggle to score points? I'm sure, just knowing them that they will somehow. The Patriots defense is playing a little bit better lately, although it's not really because of any one player, and the matchups have certainly been in their favor too. But the offense is so abysmal that the Steelers defense must completely dominate this game. If they do not, it's going to be pretty concerning. Um, even, I would say, a, a close victory would be disappointing in this one. This is one where you want to. And, and people say Mitch Trubisky's in instead of Kenny Pick. I don't know that that's a huge material difference. The risk with Trubisky maybe is people will say more turnovers. I think Kenny just wasn't really allowed to, to throw the ball for, for other than last week um, against Cincinnati. Like He hasn't been really encouraged to throw the football down the field and take chances. And I think with Canada out of there, that would have happened with Pickett and will happen now with Trubisky as well. So I think those things were coming, even if Trubisky makes a couple mistakes and has a couple turnovers, I think those things were probably coming after the coordinator change anyway. Yeah, I wanted to ask next about the the difference in quarterback. Um, I know your your buddy Brad Spielberger, he does a weekly hit with the Fan Morning Show. He said it, it was a very small marginal difference, if any, uh, between Pickett and Trubisky. Really... I think it just comes down to Trubisky being a guy that turns the ball over uh, more mm-hmm. often because I, I think whenever you see flashes from Trubisky, you, you can see why the guy was drafted so highly a few years ago. Yeah, I think Trubisky's probably a little bit better uh, with his feet uh, if you're looking for an advantage. I think Kenny this year really hasn't, just hasn't happened for him in terms of creating out of structure, things like that. Not that Trubisky's a great creator for sure, but throwing on the move, things like that, maybe there's a slight advantage there. Um, both guys avoided the middle of the field. Trubisky has avoided the middle of the field throughout his career at times, and, and Pickett does as well. How much of that was Canada and how much of that is the scheme? I mean, watching the tape every week, it was clear that it wasn't just Canada. Pickett also had you know, issues with the open receivers in the middle of the field. I talked about it in a recent uh, vi- video I did over on YouTube on the Yim's No Ball YouTube channel, but – I showed an example of a couple plays. So you hope Trubisky may be able to throw some anticipation into those windows and attack the middle of the field because Belichick is always going to take away what you do best and the Steelers love to throw outside the numbers. And so I'm sure this is going to be a defensive struggle. And then limiting the turnovers, yes, I think there is some truth to the fact that Trubisky would would throw the ball in in harm's way a little bit more. As I said, I, I don't know how much Pickett deserves credit for not doing that. Like, he, he didn't do that, but he also just – wasn't really playing quarterback for a lot of those weeks. Like a lot of the times he wasn't taking chances because he was just checking the ball down constantly and throwing it, you know, a couple of yards past the line of scrimmage. So you kind of have to take the good with the bad. And I, that's why I said times during the season, I'm okay with Kenny throwing a couple picks if he is also making plays down the field and being aggressive to drive the ball into those windows. And the Cincinnati game, he was more aggressive and he didn't come with any picks, which was encouraging that probably would have led to some more mistakes over time had he been able to keep playing that way. So Trubisky's gotten in games and probably hasn't received the same coaching and instruction uh, and same neutering that Kenny had basically to his game um, when Kenny was starting. So, yeah, he's going to be more aggressive. But overall, I'm not sure that it's a dramatic difference. Trubisky's certainly capable of disaster games in terms of turnovers. Kenny can do that with sacks and accuracy issues. So you're certainly capable of a disaster game. I'm not saying that couldn't happen. Belichick's still a great defensive mind. But I just don't know that the difference is dramatic in between those two players. Yeah, Pickett, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, actually a favorable season or favorable uh, numbers from them. 
Uh, they, an overall grade of 70.6. That ranks him 21st out of uh, 38 possible players at the quarterback position. But, I mean, I, I know you're a big analytics guy, and you know a lot mm-hmm. of those PFF guys, but that that's sort of an example to me of how uh, sometimes it's a little bit skewed, the grading that you see from PFF. Yeah, it's a great point. And I talked to, obviously, Brad and I do the podcast together. He's a PFF guy, and so I've talked to him about this, and he's explained on the podcast too. A lot of the time, those grades are, are, are kind of a description of how players played within what they're asked to do. But sometimes the context of what a player is asked to do is so simple that it doesn't necessarily take the grade by itself. It can't be gospel. You need the context of what the situation is. You know, for certain positions, it could be like an offensive tackle. Like he could have a great grade. Then you look at the guys he's matched up against. You look at how many times he's received chip help from a running back or help from a tight end in terms of alignment and how fast the ball was coming out for a quarterback. And you're like, okay, well, with the full context of everything, this really strong pass protection grade may not actually be that good if he were asked to do things like, you know, a, a, a tackle in Bruce Arian system, for example, might be asked to do, you know, with all the deep drops and things like that. So that quantification, I think, is important when we understand quarterback play, too. And Brad's talked about the fact that, yeah, Kenny's done, like, a lot of really – because the Steelers' offense is so simple – and so static, really, a lot of turn, face the quarterback, catch the ball. A lot of those routes are easier to hit, so there's nothing dynamic about it. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing explosive about it. He's doing those little simple things at a decent rate, and there's not a lot of what PFF would call negative two plays or negative one-and-a-half plays based on how they grade. So that results in a grade that, that looks pretty decent on paper. But ultimately, when you watch the games, you're like, well, it's just because he's not doing anything. It's not bad, but it's also not good. Um, it's just not real offense um, that will obviously translate to points in today's NFL. Uh, Two other guys who are having uh, pretty solid years, according to PFF, but also two guys that absolutely passed the eye test for me. Uh, Two of the rookies on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I want to start with Keanu Benton first. Uh, I feel like every time I watch this guy play, I get more and more excited about him. Uh, The numbers and the, the film backs it up, the PFF grades, back it up as, as well uh what have you thought of him uh in his first season in the league well i wish that the steelers felt the same way that you and i do about keanu benton because maybe he would get to play more than 24 snaps yeah. in a game that, that, that's, that, the, that's the biggest day. issue yeah that's the biggest issue for sure i mean if you look at what he's done on tape i mean you, there's no question this guy is your best or second best pass rusher on the interior defensive line depending on where it came hey where does that with that recovery, he's been really good this year as a pass rusher. As a run defender, there's been some things to learn and a little bit of ups and downs, but still way more positive than negative. And all his issues are more, how do you take on this block? You know, what's the proper pad level? What's the proper way to diagnose when you see uh, an offensive lineman take this sort of a bucket step toward you or something like that? How do you attack that? It's like four football IQ things. And he's almost never getting like bodied or knocked around in the inside. Um, hardly ever a significant liability in that way. So the floor just is really high, and then we've seen the ceiling, too, the flashes of this just explosive ability as a pass rusher, the hand usage as a rusher to toss guys aside. He's got already a deep bag of moves, which I think is even better if you compare him to a guy like Tuit. When Tuit came out, Tuit was probably more first-step explosive than Benton is, but he didn't have Benton's hand usage right off the bat. Tuit was very much a shoot through this gap as fast as I can type of player because I'm that explosive and big and strong. That was the kind of player he was. Benton is much more polished already, I would say, from a pass rush standpoint. Um, And so uh, super encouraging why in the world he's playing 
a couple more snaps than Isaiah Loudermilk, and he's you know basically half the snaps of Larry Ogunjobi, who is a decent player but is much more effective when he plays much less. The more he plays, the more his effectiveness wanes. That's kind of been true for him throughout his career. And so the Steelers just – this has been a consistent issue. It's going to be an issue with the guy you asked me about next, I think, as well. They just don't seem to understand their personnel very well, which to me is the, the, the latest – troubling trend in the under coach Tomlin is just the fact that if you can't understand your personnel very well as a head coach, like that's really going to set your roster back and hinder guys developments. Then uh, what, what's your take on Joey Porter jr. Uh, and his rookie season? I, I've, I've liked, I mean, I, I know, I know that the penalties have been uh, a little bit worrisome, but overall uh, I feel like the dude can, can do the hard part of the job. He can cover people. Yeah, the things that fans miss is where he excels. Like the thing that you, when you watch all 22 and you watch him shadow guys and routes all around the field, fans will notice when he's thrown at and he gets a flag because he holds the guy. And, and there's been some of that for sure. We'll talk about that. But the, what he does as a cover corner and just the way he is able to eliminate options on the field, it's the, I mean, look at the Steelers' difference in pass defense from the time he entered the lineup. And some of that is opposing quarterbacks for sure. Like they've just faced a lot of bad quarterbacks. That matters. But a lot of it is just him. He's just able to take away teams' top options each week or make at least limited. Like you saw the Jamar Chase plays. Chase made some tough catches, but he's right there on every single catch making life difficult. So all the times that you see him targeted, there's a penalty or a catch. Well, that's not all the times he's actually out there covering people, locking them down and forcing the quarterback to go elsewhere. I have been a little miffed during the games at some of the penalties. But then I watch the tape and I'm like, this guy is special ability. Like to be that big and long and not even have your technique down yet and still be able to cover guys the way he does. I mean, it's, it's awesome to see. Now there is work to be done. He needs uh, to refine his footwork. I think at times at the top of uh, routes, he can get really grabby. Um, some of that's because his footwork, he doesn't trust his feet well enough to be able to kind of mirror guys as they break their routes off at the top. That got him in trouble with Chase and a couple of plays he wasn't called. Uh, Chase is just, the best receiver he's faced so far in my opinion and so i think that was the toughest challenge matchup for him and he won his fair share of reps as well but there's work to be done there the grabbing a lot of it happens i think because of that the lack of trust in his feet it doesn't happen though because he's getting worked over by opposing route runners or because he's not athletic enough to play in space the one against uh, last week i think is a good example back of the end zone He's in position. He doesn't need to do what he does, and he does it. So it's rookie stuff. You know, it's you need to get your head um, kind of in a place where you can able to be able to trust your technique and not commit those kind of infractions. But that's all stuff that can be worked out. When you just talk about ability, this guy just has so much ability, and it's already translated to the field, and he's just made an unbelievable impact on the defense since he's been inserted into the lineup. John Ledger of the Yin's No Ball podcast and the Audibles and Analytics podcast as well. John uh, we might see more of Jalen Warren than we already do see tomorrow night. Najee Harris, back-to-back uh, DNPs for him. Uh, he is questionable going into Thursday night football. With that being said, what do you think is the smart play uh, in terms of the Steelers splitting the carries if Harris does go, but he appears to be dinged up? And how, how good has Jalen Warren been? Like, what a find has this guy been uh, as an undrafted free agent who is – honestly been one of the more explosive runners in football yeah he absolutely has been there's no question about it um and i you know this is the hard conversation to have because i love the way Najee Harris plays i also recognize that he's probably the leader 
of that offense. He and Mason Gore are probably like the vocal leaders in a lot of ways, especially with how Kenny's been in and out of the lineup and the inconsistent play and just his age. Like I think that Najee and Mason Gore are probably the guys vocally that the team looks to. And frankly, neither of them might be the best players on the roster at their positions. Um, with Mason Gore, that maybe James Daniels has been best his best position in the NFL has been center. That may be something the Steelers want to look at at some point. However, Najee is actually a good player, though. The problem is Jalen Warren is just a better player, I think. And so the explosiveness, my top traits for running backs when I scout them, explosiveness, uh, I think, is, is, is up there for sure. Uh, Tackle-breaking ability is up there as well. And then vision. And I think both Najee and, and Warren have good vision. Both are good tackle breakers. Warren is right now basically an historic tackle breaker. If you look at his numbers at Pro Football Focus, the rate at which he's breaking tackles, higher than anybody else in the league. And then if you look at overall just how many missed tackles he's forced this season as a pure rusher, it's he's in the top three, I believe, still even after this past week. And he's doing that with like half the carries of everybody else in like the top 10 to 15 running backs. So he's getting hardly any of the opportunities and maximizing almost every time he touches the football. His yards per carry average, obviously, sky as well. I think he was over six again the other day. So he just is more dynamic, I would say, is the big difference with Warren. There's more explosiveness, and there's even more tackle-breaking ability. Part of it is just the pad level, right? He's so low to the ground that people are always looking at all oh, these big backs and everybody fell in love with Derrick Henry. It's very hard. Henry being as explosive as he is at his size aids him, but it's harder sometimes as a bigger back. You take more direct shots. You take more of a beating in general, and Harris not being explosive means that he sits in spaces basically longer and is and absorbing more shots from defenders. So there's a little bit of that to Najee's game that's, you know, he just isn't, doesn't have quite the same dynamism that, uh, that Warren has. However, still a very good player. And so I'm okay with the distribution of carries, but Warren being out snapped and out carried by Harris the past two weeks, since he had that big breakout game against Cleveland, it's, it's pretty concerning. Again, it's just to me, a lack of understanding of which personnel gives you the best, chance to win the game john is the mike tomlin era running dry for you yeah absolutely we just did a long podcast on this yesterday brad and i over it at uh, the end snowball podcast feed uh people can check out but honestly it's you know this is this is kind of where i've been at and i'll, I'll just summarize it and saying that the, the best argument again like if you're going to say what should mike tomlin why should mike tomlin be on the hot seat to me you have to flip the argument around and say what advantages does Mike Tomlin give your team? And the ones people would always point to is culturally in the locker room. He gets guys to play hard and play for him, and he makes players feel valued, and I think all of that matters for sure. And he's you know, just a good – when it comes to locker room chemistry and things like that, I think that that matters a lot, uh, a lot more when you're winning. And they're just not doing that at a consistent level anymore. Like, there are players that are frustrated. They're speaking out in the media more often than ever before. You don't have the adults in the room that you once had when Ben Roethlisberger and Marquise Pouncey and, you know, those guys were there and it was a different story and they could keep guys in check. You don't have that anymore. And you've continued to draft and bring in players that, you know, I'm not going to call immature. I'm just outspoken. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris is, is more mature, but, you know, outspoken as well. Like there's a lot of guys like that. And, you know, you've got Chooks running his mouth to a coach and I get it. You've got Deontay Johnson and Micah Fitzpatrick fighting on the way back to the locker room and, Johnson saying stuff in the media every week and Pat Pete guaranteeing wins and saying he's going to intercept Kyler Murray and all this stuff. Like you just have, um, a, it's just not as tight shit, but it used to be. And so even Tomlin's greatest strengths are not really that greatest strengths anymore. Like the Steelers 
don't have the same positives and the same strengths that they once had in the areas that Mike Tomlin was supposed to bring to the table. That, to me, is a sign of a message that has, has run pretty stale. They, if you take into account all the other things, the fact that he's always been one of the worst when it comes to challenges, that he's been one of the worst when it comes to game management and clock situations, that he refuses to use analytics as a part of his process, talking about fourth and short and goal line, goal-to-go mm-hmm. situations and when to be aggressive. And when you take all that into account, along with the fact that now we have this year, and, and it's happened before, but especially this year, you've got these overarching issues across the entire roster of not really understanding how to use your personnel, not really understanding when guys need to be taken out of the lineup. Like a Levi Wallace, he killed your defense for the first half of the season, and you just left them out there when you had the best corner on the team sitting on the bench. And so those kinds of things, Tomlin's refusal to change in key areas as the game has changed, to me, just I, 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 we start to run out of arguments for Coach Tomlin that can actually be brought, borne out in results. When you look, you know, the, right now it's, he hasn't had this, this, this losing record. And there's some value to that, I agree. But what is the ceiling now? Because I think the floor, yeah, you can argue the floor with Tomlin is probably that you'll never be a bottom feeder team. But the ceiling, I don't think, is what it used to be when you could be say you were a Super Bowl contender, a team that was a threat to win a playoff game at least. I just don't think those days are coming back under Tomlin. That's not the kind of coach he is. He has not proven to be the innovator and the forward thinker that is needed to evolve with the game over time. So two-parter here, John, to finish things up. A, do you think this team will make the playoffs as it currently stands? And B, if they do make the playoffs, what percentage chance do you have do you give them to win a game? Well, making the playoffs, um, I have, would have to sit down and really look at each team and what they have record-wise left on their slate. I think they have a chance to, though, just because the, the schedule to finish is pretty weak. I would bet against it, but I think they have a chance to. Um, if they did make one, they would be you know, probably the last seed, I'm guessing, although the AFC is kind of all beating the heck out of each other right now, and every quarterback's injured as well. So uh, there's a lot, probably a lot to consider there, but that would put them up against, I think, every division winners probably in Jacksonville may be the weakest at this point. Um, I, I would give them very small chance to win a playoff game. John, where can people get your stuff? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft, and you can listen to the Yins No Ball podcast on all the podcast places that you normally listen to. The Steelers podcast, Brad Spielberger and I go in-depth a couple times a week. Uh, we preview each matchup, and then we'll break down all 22 and tape and look at analytics and stats and things like that. Just kind of a deep-dive Steelers option for the diehard fans out there. We do that a couple times a week. And then the Audibles and Analytics podcast, I talk about the NFL over there on my Substack. That's a subscription one. It's just a couple bucks a month if you want to hear kind of deep NFL conversations and team tiers with Ollie Connolly and myself. Uh, you can head on over there and listen to that stuff. John Ledger, you heard right there where you can get his stuff. John, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely, Donnie. Always a pleasure, my man. There you go, John Ledger, a Pittsburgh guy, a Waynesburg University guy like myself a few years ahead of me. He does some great stuff, some great, great film breakdowns. Uh, good podcast, too, uh, that he does with Brad Spielberger from PFF, that being the Yins No Ball podcast, that obviously more centric to the Steelers. So check that one out uh, wherever you get your podcast. Another good place to hear about everything black and gold football before every home game is black and gold game day on 93.7 The Fan, presented by CGR Wholesale Roofing and Siding Supply Center. Three hours before every game, we have you covered with all you need to know from around the league. 
And with our black and gold live from Rivers Casino Sportsbook, brought to you by Tri-State Office Furniture and Saloni's Italian Bread. Coming up next, we'll take a look at what's going on in Tampa Bay. The Pens and the Lightning underway as we speak. It's Donnie Football with you here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Luke Harper, rest in peace. I knew this one. Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan Donnie Football with you for about another half hour. We're going to have Noah Hiles coming up in just a few minutes to preview the backyard brawl tonight in Morgantown between the Panthers and Mountaineers. Another thank you to John Ledger for taking the time to join me to talk some Steelers a little bit ago. Listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday to hear about Starkey's Card of the Week from the Baseball Card Castle and Cranberry Contest Run every Wednesday through Friday at 12 p.m. at the 93.7thefan.com contesting page. Right now in Tampa, Penguins trail the Lightning one to nothing. Last week in Tampa, Tristan Jari had himself a night. He had, I think, 39 saves and a goal the first Goalie goal in Penguins history. Tonight he has 10 saves and 11 shots as the Pens trail 1-0. Anthony Sorelli has the lone goal of the game for Tampa Bay. More concerning thing, Andre Vasilevsky so far pitching a shutout, but the concern there is that Vasilevsky only has faced four shots in the first 20 minutes. So the Penguins need to get Their offense going as well, get their power play going as well. We thought the power play would be the strength of the team after the Eric Carlson trade in the offseason. That, unfortunately, has not been the case yet. Uh, Tyler Kennedy joined the PM team earlier today. He talked about some things that he would fix up with that power play. You can go check out that chat on the 93.7 The Fan dot com podcast page also anywhere you get your podcasts you can go check out that chat with tk that funk on the power play he even suggested maybe having a conversation with evgeny malkin and seeing how that would go fan weather brought to you by sun chevy 2023 silverado 1500s up to 7500 in rebates Check out sunchevy.com as well. Right now in the mid-30s, mid-40s tomorrow should be a pretty nice night for Steelers and Patriots at Acrisure Stadium. Coming up, we're going to talk to our pal Noah Hiles, Pitt Panthers insider from the Post-Gazette, as we lead you in to Pitt and West Virginia. The backyard brawl in hoops right here on the fan In one hour from now, coverage begins at the bottom of the hour. It's Donnie Football with you here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.